Welcome to What's Up with Dr. Rupp, where we explore the supernatural. I'm your host, Dr. Melissa Rupp. Hi, I am recording from a couple of different places today, and one of those places is live, so bear with me depending on which <laughs> which uh, platform you're listening to me on. But I felt like I was supposed to hop on here today and share my testimony, how I got to be where I am right now. So I was raised in a Christian home. Um, I don't ever remember not knowing Jesus, not being a follower of Jesus. And I did get baptized at the very earliest age that our church allowed, which was eight years old at the church that I grew up in. Um, I followed Jesus my whole, um, you know, up until college. And then I had a kind of a little glitch in college, but I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. But um, I was a Christ follower ever since the time I was really, really little. And I really don't remember what age I actually accepted him as my Lord and Savior. But I, I did get baptized, like I said, when I was eight. Um, we went to church every Sunday. You know, my mom was, was very adamant about that, that we go to church every Sunday. But then when I entered college, I, I went to a private Christian college. Or, yeah, it was a private Catholic college, my first two years um, of school. And so when I went there, they had a course that was required. It was called Intro to the Bible. And in that class, they this is where I, my faith was really rocked. So in that class, they taught that the Bible was just written by a bunch of old men. Um, they didn't talk about the the real truth about the Bible. So they, they talked about that it was just written by a bunch of old men that nothing in it had actually happened. They taught that the stories were symbolic and that everything represented something else. So when Jesus supposedly fed the 5,000, the number 5,000 was just symbolic of something and, and that these stories didn't really happen. That's what I was taught in this Intro to the Bible class at this private Catholic college that I started at my first two years. Um, so they kind of, everything that I had believed and had learned growing up in my church, it was really rocked. Um, I felt naive. I felt like, you know, teachers were, you know, the authority that they were supposed to know everything. And if the teachers were teaching this, then it had to be true. And I had just believed all this stuff blindly my whole life. And so I started to question a lot of things. I questioned, okay, so if, if the Bible's not true, if those stories aren't real, is God really real? Is is he, tr you know, is that true? And so I started to question a whole bunch of stuff. And um, you may want to um, have your kids not listen to this because I'm going to talk about some kind of sensitive stuff right here. Um, but the, this kind of, this a tactic of the enemy, you know, if you find out something that's not true, then the enemy can come to you and say, hey, you believe that and it wasn't true. And so people told you that God was real. And that was one of the things that um, God really convicted me of is when we were, you know, when my kids were younger, we would tell them that there was a tooth fairy and an Easter bunny and Santa Claus. And God really convicted me. And he told me that if we told our kids that, that those things were real and they later found out that they weren't real and that, that we had told them that God was real, that the enemy was going to come to them and say, hey, your parents told you that these things were true and those are a lie and they told you that God was real and God is a lie. And so that's what the Lord showed me that the enemy was going to do. He was going to come to my kid with that lie. And so I was convicted. We sat our kids down. We repented to them. We um, we told them, you know, hey, we're really sorry. God convicted of the, the, us of this. We shouldn't have said this to you. We shouldn't have told you this lie. And they're not real, but God is real. The Bible's true, and God is real. And so, you know, we repented to them, told them the truth, and then we moved on and no longer had visits from, you know, the Tooth Fairy, the Easter Bunny, or Santa. 
And then, um, so anyways, after going to this college and, and hearing this in this class, I started to question a whole bunch of things, not just, you know, if God was real, but then I started to question, well, then what is even the purpose of life? Like, what is, what's my purpose? What's the purpose of, of life in general if, if this stuff isn't true and if there's not a God? And is there even a heaven or a hell? Like, is this it? Like, we live on this earth and then we just die and then that's it? Like, what what's true? And to be honest, I even contemplated suicide. The enemy tried to attack me with that because I was just like, well, what's my purpose? You know, I, I didn't feel like I had a purpose at that point. I was just in college, but I, I got a little rebellious, nothing super crazy, but I did stop going to church for a while. And um, there were some different events though that transpired that did lead me back to the Lord and rediscovering the truth of the Bible. So every person is given a unique set of spiritual gifts by the Holy Spirit. And if you want to look up those in the Bible, that comes from 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 verses 6 through 8. And so every person is given a unique set of spiritual gifts, a different set of abilities and talents, and all of that different stuff. God gives everybody their own unique set of stuff. And, you know, there are some people even who are given as gifts to the church as far as the office of the fivefold ministry. Um, that's Ephesians 4 verses 11 and 12. So those are the people who are usually called to full-time ministry, like apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, or evangelist. And I did find out later, so I wasn't taught the stuff in my church growing up. I wasn't taught about the gifts of the Spirit. But one of the things that I discovered along my path was that I have the gift of discerning of spirits. But I didn't realize what that it was a gift what it was and I didn't realize anything about it so I was a lot older but from the time that I was little like really little I was able to um, sense and feel the presence of evil spirits if they were around and I know that when I was little I could feel a lot of yucky stuff in our basement I could feel a lot of demonic spirits in our basement and that's where our laundry room was that's where our washer and our dryer were and my mom would make me do the laundry. My sister and I, that was our chore. We did the laundry. And so I just remember sitting at the top of the stairs crying and just begging her for any other chore. I didn't want to go do laundry. I didn't want to have to go to the basement because I could feel the presence of these spirits when I was down there. I could feel the evil. And then I would always like run up the stairs as fast as I could when I was done and slam the door shut behind me. But when I ran up the stairs, I could feel them chasing me as I ran up the stairs. Like they would follow me, they would chase me. And I would, I was just terrorized. You know, this poor little kid feeling this stuff had no clue what was going on, but I just knew I could feel this stuff. And I would have dreams, like I would have bad dreams about cavemen in our basement who were trying to get me. And so I would have all this stuff going on. And, um, when I then was in my late 20s and I had my first child, I wanted to make sure that she was raised in the church. That had been my, my foundation and I wanted to make sure that she was raised in the church. And I hadn't yet like fully come back to Jesus. And at that point, like I only knew God as my mom's God or my church's God. Like I didn't have a personal relationship with him, but he was drawing me back and I knew that I wanted to raise my child in the church. And so... Um, I think just, you know, deep down, I feel like I knew that God was real and I, I felt him pulling me back. And so it was about that time um, when my first child took her back to, you know, took her to church and started making sure that she was raised in the church. She was around three or so at that time. And um, I ended up 
rededicating my life to the Lord, getting rebaptized. And when I did, when I rededicated my life to the Lord and got rebaptized, my spiritual gifts then became heightened and everything that I had felt before was heightened. And not only that, more gifts were given to me. And so one of the things that would happen, I used to be a real estate appraiser for about 20 years. I was a real estate appraiser. And so I would go to different people's houses and I would have to, you know, take take notes and take pictures and draw my sketches and, and measure the property and, and just, you know, do all that kind of stuff. But I would go to vacant houses and sometimes I could feel the presence of different evil spirits. And if I was at a house where there was a person present, I didn't notice it so much because it was more of their presence that I was, you know, paying attention to. But especially houses that were vacant, I was really starting to pick up on the presence of evil. And so I went to this one house and I started in the basement like I always did, did all my stuff down there, didn't feel anything wrong at that house, didn't sense anything evil. And then I um, went upstairs and when I went upstairs, when I got to one particular bedroom, when I got to the one bedroom and it was like I said, it was a vacant house. So there was nothing in there, no furniture. But when I got into that room, I felt the presence of evil. And then I felt it following me around the rest of the house as I did that. It didn't feel it go outside with me. It stayed in the house and I, you know, I did all my stuff outside and left. But then I went to another house a little bit later and didn't feel anything wrong with that house. And when I, um, I was through a conversation with the owner, she told me that the property was getting ready to go into foreclosure, but they were trying to avoid foreclosure by, um, selling this house quickly. And they're trying, so they're trying to sell it. They did have an offer on the house. It was pending. And that's why I was there to do the appraisal. And the buyer had no idea. The buyer didn't know any of this stuff, but she started to tell me about how, a neighbor of theirs had told them that a person had committed suicide on the property and they had discovered all of the stuff about how this house was haunted. And so we'll talk about that in a minute too, but you know, human spirits can't stick around the earth when they die. If you're, um, if you're a human, when you're, when you die, your spirit either goes to heaven or to hell. It just, it can't stick around the earth. So you can't be a ghost. You can't stick around. But anyways, I'm at this house and I'm talking to the owner. She's telling me all this stuff and she tells me that all this stuff that had been happening at this property and that's why they were like desperate to get out of there. And if they couldn't sell it, they were ready to let it go into foreclosure because they just wanted out. And so all this stuff had been happening. Their little toddler son had been being tormented by the spirit, especially in the middle of the night, he would wake up screaming and they would go in there and furniture would be moved around in the room. Like their dresser had been moved into the closet several times. Um, lights would turn off and on on their own. Um, the garage lights would turn off and on on their own. There would be blood that would appear and disappear on the floor of their garage. So all this stuff was happening. They did determine and they did find out that there had been a suicide in the garage. And um, they thought it was the, the spirit of the deceased person that was haunting them. So I didn't feel anything inside the house. But when I did get to the garage, I could feel the spirit's presence and I could feel it walking around with me following me around and I had no clue what to do at this point I, I didn't know anything about what was going on but when I got in my car to leave I could feel that spirit get into the car with me and I just had this just this yucky feeling that's kind of how I describe it like I just felt this yuck and so I, I had this spirit 
following me around. Um, it had never happened before where it had gotten into my car with me and actually left a property with me. And so I, I just wanted it gone, but I didn't know what to do. And days later, I could still feel the presence of this spirit at my house. And it was mostly in my bedroom for some reason, whatever reason, it was mostly in my bedroom, even though it had come from the person's garage. But we were getting ready to move to a house of our own. And I thought, okay, well, maybe this spirit is just going to stay here when we move. And so I, I didn't really pursue any other avenues because we were getting ready to move really quickly. So that was totally wishful thinking that didn't happen. So a few weeks later, we're moved into our new house. And not only could I feel that same spirit's presence, but I started to feel a lot of different spirits in that house. And, um, didn't know what to do <laughs> to get rid of them and was really starting to freak out. But kind of like what really happened to throw me over the edge was one night I'm laying in bed and I'm reading and I could sense the spirit. I could sense it walk across the room. So I could sense where it started at the, the door that goes out into the hallway. It started from there and it walked across the room over to the sliding glass door that went out onto the balcony. And so I, I could sense it move there and I heard the floor even creak. And when I looked up to where that I knew that it was this dark, cloudy shadowy figure actually materialized and showed itself to me and um or the lord showed it to me which whichever one happened i'm not really sure which happened there but it looked like an average sized person and i could kind of like you how you can hear the holy spirit speak to you in that small voice kind of inside your head i heard the spirit speak to me and it was swearing at me and it was like you can see me you blankety blank and so it's staring at me and <laughs> um swearing at me and i throw the covers over my head and i'm trying to be quiet because my husband was actually sleeping and so i'm trying to be quiet throw the covers over my head and i'm like what in the world is going on and so i did start to experience a lot more of that type of activity um, I thought we had a ghost because I didn't know any better. I didn't know that it wasn't human. And when I had peeked my head back out, it was gone. Um, I had sensed them many, many times before. I had sensed their presence, knew where they were, um, sometimes knew what their purpose was, but I had never actually seen one until that night. And so I didn't do anything at first, but then a few nights later, I woke up in the middle of the night because I could feel this presence over me and I could feel it staring at me. And so I woke up and I opened my eyes and there's this black shadowy face floating right above mine. So this time I actually screamed, um, screamed out loud, threw the covers over my head. <laughs> don't know, how, don't know how I thought the, the blankets were gonna, you know, help me from a spirit. But anyways, I was freaking out and I was like, okay, what is going on? Am I going crazy? Like, am I having a mental breakdown? What is going on? Um, if this was real, if these were ghosts, were they friendly? Like they didn't feel friendly. Why were they there? What did I have to do to get rid of them? And I hadn't mentioned any of this to my husband and I debated for several days and I'm like, okay, I can't not tell him. I have to tell him what's going on. Even if he commits me like to a mental hospital, I have to tell him what is going on. And I was like, I just need help. I need, you know, I need to process this through somebody. I need to find out who can help us. We have to get these out of our house. 
And so thankfully, my husband didn't think I was crazy. <laughs> he was very loving and supportive of all the steps that I took to try to find help. And But in my quest for answers, because my church hadn't taught on this stuff. They hadn't taught on spiritual gifts. They hadn't taught on the gift of discerning of spirits. Um, and a lot of churches do not teach this. And if they do, you know, it's just taught briefly for maybe, a, you know, a few weeks of a, of a course and then it's not brought up again. But so I hadn't been taught about this. And so I didn't know that the Bible was like the number one place that I should have been looking for answers. And so I went to see a spiritist or a medium um, thinking that she might have a solution or could give me some information about what was going on um, and, and maybe try to help me, you know, get rid of these things and figure out how to get rid of them. So I thought, well, you know, maybe I have these like special supernatural abilities and maybe I can learn more about those and maybe I can help other people and um, maybe I can get some training in this and, you know, figure out how to find other people that are like me that I can talk to. So, um, but the medium was of no help. She just kept asking me leading questions. Um, she didn't, she didn't give me anything useful. So I started to search online for, um, answers or possible training opportunities. And so I was trying to figure out what was going on. Um, but God had also been speaking to me in dreams and I probably didn't really even realize that it was God speaking to me through dreams at the time either. But I've been having dreams for years, oftentimes prophetic of things to come and they would come true. Um, my mom had that same, uh, has the same ability. Um, I think my, either my grandma or my grandpa or both also were prophetic dreamers. Um, but that's kind of a gift that runs in our, in our family bloodline. But didn't know it was the Lord at the time, but I did have a warning dream and, or a premonition dream. I don't, I don't know what this dream was. And, um, I, it was a friend of mine who was in the dream and I hadn't spoken to her for several years. And so I just kept thinking about the dream and thinking about the dream and, and it didn't go away. And so I decided to call her one day. And so while I'm on the phone with her, I felt led to tell her about what had been going on and what I had started to experience. And I wasn't really sure what she'd say, but her, um, her response really surprised me because she seemed like this was a completely normal conversation for her. She seemed to know exactly what I was talking about. She was not freaked out at all. And she then proceeded to tell me that she was a volunteer with a spiritual warfare ministry. Again, had no clue what that was. I'm like spiritual warfare. Okay. Spiritual that would deal with the, you know, the spirits, but what is spiritual warfare? So I had no clue what that even meant. And she told me that I needed to go to this orientation with her that was coming up on the next Saturday and that I would learn more about my giftings and how to grow and use them and how to get rid of these spirits. So it was exactly what I was hoping for, but I, I didn't know <laughs> where I needed to find the help. And I'd been looking for help for in the wrong places because I didn't know. Um, but my friend, she met me at the orientations. She sat with me the whole three hours. She answered any questions that I had during that meeting and any afterwards. In the meeting, um, I learned that the spirits were demons because that's what the Bible says that they are. They're demonic spirits. So they're not human spirits again because those only go to heaven or hell when a person dies. And um, the facilitators, though, they, they gave Bible reference after Bible reference after Bible reference about the supernatural, about the spirit realm, about what I had been sensing and seeing. And so using scripture, they explained that these were demons things that I didn't even know existed at that point in time. And then they talked about how they operate and that as Christians that we have authority in the name of Jesus Christ to command that they leave. And so it was that easy. No bizarre rituals were, were required. Um, 
after going to see the medium, we had actually um, had two women that we knew who were practicing witches. We had had them come to our house to try to do some things to try to get rid of these spirits too. So I did a couple of bad things. I went to see the medium and I had some witches come to my house. And when they came, you know, there was these rituals that they did. They, you know, they would burn candles and they would chant spells and they were throwing salt water. And, but I learned that none of that was required. It only took faith in the name of Jesus and the authority that comes with using his name. And so this spiritual warfare ministry that she had talked about, I found out that it was a deliverance ministry. And in Christianity, deliverance means casting demons out of a person or a property. You might hear Catholics call it exorcism, but most of the time it's um, Pentecostals or charismatic Christians who will call it deliverance, but it's casting demons out. And so, um, this deliverance ministry, they would counsel people and they would have them come in for, you know, meetings and they would go through a process of, of inner healing or, um, healing people leading through them, leading through them, like leading them through, um, things like repentance for past sins, um, helping them to forgive people who had wounded them, um, helping them be able to heal from past traumas. And so it was a, it was a soul wound, inner healing, deliverance ministry. And then when they had done those things, then they would cast any demons out that had come in and attached to them because of some of those things. And so I was intrigued. I wanted to learn more. Um, and there were people there who had gifts like me. So finally, I really knew what was going on. I had the assurance that I wasn't crazy, that there were these spiritual gifts that God had given me that I was now learning about. And so I, um, I wanted to do more. So I signed up as a volunteer. I went through all the required um, training, read all the books, went through the hours of observation, and then I was assigned to a team and I served on this team for about a year. And so then I learned what the Bible had to say about things like mediums and witchcraft. And so I had just been trying to find out answers and I didn't know what the Bible said because I hadn't really read the Bible that in depth up to that point. And so, you know, I had just been trying to get rid of, get rid of these spirits. And so I went to visit, um, the, the medium, like I told you. And so I found out that I had to actually repent of those things. And that the reason that why things probably got worse at my house after the witches came is because witchcraft opens a door to the demonic realm and invites other things in. And so um, Deuteronomy 18 verses 10 through 12, that's one of the, the verses that they showed me about what I had done being wrong and why it was wrong. And it says, let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire, who practice divination or sorcery, who interprets omens, engages in witchcraft or casts spells, or who's a medium or a spiritist, or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. And so I repented for all of those activities. Um, a team from that ministry actually came to my house and performed a proper cleansing of my house in the name of Jesus. <laughs> and so, you know, we didn't have to burn any sage or do anything like that. We just, you know, repented and said, you know, God, we're sorry. I, I renounce all this stuff. I, I don't want it here. I command that it go in Jesus name. And I just asked the Lord to, you know, to shut that door, to cleanse my property, to cleanse me. And then finally, my house was free of evil spirits. But the best part was, now I had this peace in my house, but now I knew what to do if any of these spirits came back or any other spirits came because I had been taught about my spiritual authority as a believer in Jesus. And so um, while I was volunteering um, as, a, as a, a deliverance, you know, in that deliverance ministry, 
one of the things that they taught is that God speaks to us and he taught how he, they taught how he speaks to us and how to distinguish God's voice from a demonic voice. Um, so if you guys aren't aware of that little voice in your head is not necessarily your conscience. It can be your own thought, but it can also be God speaking to you or it can be the devil or a demon that is speaking to you and you're going to have to learn to hear which, you know, how to find out which voice it is that you're hearing and what to do about it if it's not you or God. So, um, I also learned in that, um, in that deliverance ministry, I learned that the Bible was indeed written by men, um, but men who were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And these, those men heard God speaking to them as I was now hearing God speak to me because they had taught me how to hear God's voice. And so, yeah, the Bible was written by men, but it was inspired. Every, you know, every part of the Bible was inspired by God and the Holy Spirit breathed upon it. And so um, there's lots of different scriptures for that. One of those is the, probably the best one is John 10, 27 that says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And so I did do a podcast episode on whose voice are you listening to? And I did another episode on how God speaks. So those are, depending on which platform you're watching this on right now, my podcast is called What's Up with Dr. Rupp. And so it's episodes four and five on how God speaks and whose voice are you listening to. But there are a whole bunch of different scriptures that talk about how God speaks to us and how we can find out whether it's God or a demonic spirit. So go back and um, watch those. So everything finally, though, it was starting to make sense. And uh, you might be thinking, this lady's crazy. She's seeing things. She hears things. Sometimes you don't know what you don't know until you know. And this is one of those things that, you know, until you know. I was once there. I didn't know what I didn't know. And I'm so thankful that I do know what I know now because it's when you know the truth that the truth sets you free. And when you know the truth, everything else in this world starts to make sense. So this stuff is real. The movie The Exorcist is based on a, the, the movie and the novel are based on a real life story. Like this stuff is true. You have Catholic priests who will go about doing exorcisms. Like this is, this is real stuff. But all of this to, to just say that the Lord put me on this particular path to show me that the stuff in the Bible is true, that God is real, that Satan and demons really do exist, um, that Satan and demons can bring sickness and disease to people, but that we have authority in the name of Jesus to cast those out and command that they go. So by witnessing these deliverance sessions firsthand, seeing and hearing what was going on in the spirit realm, hearing what other people said that they were seeing in the spirit realm, all of this stuff, I, I began to realize that all the Bible stories that I had believed when I was little had actually been true and my faith was reestablished. So it led me on a fresh path to learn more about what was in the Bible, started to read the Bible, um, devoured the word and any other materials that I could get my hands on regarding spiritual warfare. Um, so now that I knew what spiritual warfare was and who this enemy was that everybody kept talking about, but I also learned that Jesus had actually won the war at the cross, but that we have a, a very real enemy, the devil, and he comes to the earth looking for someone to devour. And so even though Jesus won the ultimate victory, you know, as Christians, we're soldiers in the spiritual war and we have daily battles that we still have to fight against the devil and his minions, the demons. Um, but again, we have authority over them. We have supernatural weapons too that we can use against them. Um, there are... Lots of different scriptures that talk about how we're soldiers in this war, that we're, our, our battle isn't against flesh and blood. Our battle isn't against human people, but the demonic spirits and forces that are behind some of their behavior and activities. 
Um, not going to get into all of that right now. I just really felt led to hop on here and share my testimony and how I got to where I am right now. But the Bible does say that we're supposed to resist the devil. And when we do that, he'll flee and that people perish for a lack of knowledge. So James 4, 7 is the scripture that says we're supposed to resist the devil and he'll flee. And then Hosea 4, 6, it's probably been one of my trademark scriptures as far as learning what I've learned today people perish for the lack of knowledge. So you don't know what you don't know until you know, but if you have this lack of knowledge, you can actually perish because demons do bring sickness and disease. And if you don't know that and you don't know to cast these spirits out, people actually are literally perishing and dying because they don't know this. So one of the greatest lies I believe that the devil has perpetuated is the lie that he doesn't exist. And you won't resist the devil. We're supposed to resist the devil and he'll flee, but you're not gonna resist him if you don't believe that he exists, right? So there is this very real invisible realm. There is a very real spiritual war going on. You know, it's God and his children and God's angels against the devil and the people who choose to partner with the devil. And so some people I know are confused about what demons are. And the Bible says that God created everything, including us, and he created angels. And that Satan, um, Lucifer, actually, Lucifer was one of the created angels, but he rebelled against God and he was thrown out of heaven. And one third of the angels went with him. And now his name has changed. You know, his roles and his functions have changed. And now his name has changed. And so now he's not Lucifer. Now he's called Satan. And Satan and one third of the fallen angels or demons are now roaming the earth and afflicting people. So, um, I think I'll leave that part there. I had a few other notes that I was going to share, but um, the Bible does say that it is the thief, the devil, who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you don't know what he's doing to steal and kill and destroy, you're not going to be effective in fighting him. So you have to know what the Bible says about how the devil operates. But um, we we have to actively engage in a battle against the enemy. Um, so after all of this stuff, after experiencing all this stuff, getting into the deliverance ministry, um, I was in the deliverance ministry for about a year. And then I happened to read this book that a friend had been reading and it was called the believer's authority, what you didn't learn in church. And it was by Andrew Walmack. And when I read that book, it, it just set my life on a whole new course. My whole life was changed at that point. And you know, God had brought me into this deliverance ministry and, and taught me about my authority over demons. And then he took me on this new path and took me down this path about how we also have the same authority over sickness and disease and how often it is demons who bring the sickness and disease and that the same authority that we have over them to cast them out and command them to go in Jesus name. We have that same authority over sickness and we can command that, you know, the demons leave and the sickness go. And I started to see in scripture how people can actually be afflicted by demons and that these demons can cause different sicknesses and infirmities. But when the demons were cast out, then people were physically and even mentally healed. So I started to see all of this in scripture. And so I want to share a couple of those scriptures with you. Um, there's actually a spirit of infirmity. And so there was a woman who had the spirit of infirmity. She had been crippled for 18 years and she was bent over and couldn't stand up straight. But when the spirit of infirmity was cast out of her, she was then able to stand up straight again. And so that's from Luke 13. Um, but she was crippled for 18 years. And then in Luke, actually, let's do this one first. Mark 9, there was the deaf and dumb spirit that was cast out. 
So this man had brought a spirit to the disciples and wanted him to cast the spirit out. And the man said that um, his son had been possessed by the spirit that has robbed him of speech. And it seizes him, so it was causing seizures, throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. And the man said that he, you know, I asked the disciples to drive out the spirit, but they couldn't. And so when the spirits see Jesus, they throw the boy to the ground into a convulsion. And the boy throw, um, falls to the ground. He's rolling around, foaming at the mouth. And... Um, the man says that the spirit has often thrown the little boy into the fire or the water to try to kill him. And so Jesus rebukes the impure spirit. And he says, he says, you deaf and mute spirit, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. So the spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead, but Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. So he was healed from having seizures by having this deaf and mute spirit cast out of him. And then there was a mute spirit in Luke 11. So Jesus was driving out a demon out of a person that was mute. And when the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke. So he was able to speak again after the spirit was cast out that was causing him to not be able to speak. And then I even saw in scripture how there was mental healing that was the result of casting demons out of a person. So in Mark 5, the story of the Gadarene demoniac, um, this guy was basically like crazy, running around the tombs, living in the tombs. Um, he was being chained hand and foot and the chains wouldn't hold him. He was so strong. He was breaking the chains apart. But one of the things too that he would do is he was cutting himself. And so he's, he's cutting himself. He's, you know, not in his right mind. And um, when the spirits were cast out of this man, the Bible says that he was then in his right mind. So he was healed of any mental um, afflictions that he had by having these demons cast out of him. And so when I started to see all this and the Lord was showing me that we had the same authority over sickness and disease as we do over demons and that sometimes the sickness and disease are caused by the demons, I started praying for people to be healed. I saw tons of healings and miracles manifest including through the deliverance or casting out of demons out of people. And so it was about this time that I knew that I was being called to full-time ministry. I had a huge passion for healing deliverance and in, in um, ministry in particular. And so I ended up going back to school. I got my doctorate degree in ministry and I had my own real estate appraisal business for about 13 of the last 20 years that I had been appraising. And so I had, I had a building that I owned and I had employees, but I knew I was called to full-time ministry and I was going full in. And so I ended up, um, you know, letting clients go as employees would quit. I wouldn't replace them. And then, um, ended up selling my office building and working out of my basement and my house for just a little bit while I was still winding down my business and getting ready to close it down. And it was about two and a half years ago that God told me that it was time to close my business. And so from, from that point, I've been working on transitioning into full-time ministry and just being obedient to the things that God has called me to, like writing books and working on a podcast. And so, um, you know, a lot of, I've heard people say that you'll know what you're called to by what grieves you or what you cry about, but God will also speak to you and he will tell you what you're called to. And you'll, you'll start to find out too, what you're called to by the gifts that you have and, and your past history and the things that God has led you to along your path. But God did tell me what I was called to. Um, and for, for me too, 
with my calling, like some people, again, they'll say, you know, if, if it grieves you or if you cry about it, you'll know that that's something that you're called to. With mine, it brings me excitement and joy and it's, it's, it energizes me. Like it's really fun to do the things that I know that I'm called to. And so, um, just felt led to share with you guys. So those who don't know, in addition to my What's Up With Dr. Rupp podcast that I have, and that is available on several different platforms. I know it's on, I do a video version for YouTube, so I have the YouTube videos if you want to watch it on video. Um, it's also, the audio is available on Spotify and Apple Podcast. It's on iHeartRadio, it's on Amazon, it's available a lot of different places where podcasts are heard. I have taught different ministry classes online and in in person. I've written um, two full books so far. Um, Keys to Healing is one of the ones that I've written and there is an entire chapter about that book on healing through deliverance, through the casting out of demons. And that's all about healing and different miracles I've seen the Lord do, how to be healed, what things can hinder your healing and what you can do about those. And then I wrote another book called Weaponized Prayer, Keys to Getting Your Prayers Answered. And then each one I did a study guide to go along with it. And I know people have used those in groups to do um, group book studies. And I do have a new course available. It's called Keys to Healing. And if you're interested in that, you can go to melissarupp.com to sign up for that. Um, and I do have another book that will be coming out soon. And I'm really, really excited for this one. I think it's going to be helpful for a lot of people who were in the same position that I was in where I didn't know a lot of these things because my church hadn't taught on it. So I'm really excited for my next book that's going to be coming out. It's all about spiritual warfare that will be coming by the end of this year. I'm hoping to get it out very soon, but for sure, hopefully by the end of the year. So I am excited for that one. Um, I think with that, I'm going to leave off. Thanks for, thanks for watching or listening wherever you're watching and listening from. And if you're on um, YouTube, please like, share, subscribe, and have a great day. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Join me next time as we continue to explore the supernatural on What's Up with Dr. Rupp.